Well, I am excited to bring the word to you today. Uh, I am going to give you a little bit of a precaution today. I'm running on Friday night. I got about four hours of sleep. And then I did kind of sleep last night. So I'm like, Molly can tell you right now, when I get tired, I get a little loopy. And I just start having fun. I'm like our little uh, buddy up here that uh, just keeps saying things and then doesn't know what uh, my mind's thinking and my mind's a little bit behind. But I'm excited that I get to continue this talk about justification by faith, this source of our righteousness. And uh, I get to bring the part three. Pastor Kyle brought the part one and two. And we get to talk about the results of justification. We're actually going to finish up Romans 3 today. Now, when we're looking at justification by faith, it's important to know this idea that we are made righteous by belief. By belief in what God did. And that's by sending his son on the cross. And we need to repent and turn away from our sins. And so that justification is saying you are made just or you are made right because of my righteousness, God's righteousness. And so in Romans 3, 23 to 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. This is a redeeming work. This is, I'm taking you from where you're at and bringing you here. And so in the same spot, we have to realize we have fallen short and it's nothing we do. For all have fallen short. This is God's work. And this is going to be a reoccurring theme through the whole sermon that I want us to think about. It's not my work. It's God's work. God's redeeming work in the cross. God's redeeming work in sanctification in my life. God's redeeming work in justifying me from my sins. John Calvin, a French theologian, he's a pastor probably in the 1500s. So he's a lot older than Pastor Ralph. Um, said, <laughs> justification is the main hinge on which salvation churns. He also says it is entirely by the intervention of Christ's righteousness that we obtain justification before God. This is equivalent to saying that man is not justified in himself, but that the righteousness of Christ is communicated to him by imputation while he is strictly deserving of punishment. I want to read that phrase again. This is equivalent to saying that man is not just in himself, but that the righteousness of Christ is communicated to him by imputation while he is strictly deserving of punishment. We need to know we're sinners. We deserve eternal punishment from Christ, separation from him. But because of faith and because that Christ died on the cross, and provide salvation, and 
believing in that and turning away from our sins, that is where we are justified. I'm not going to keep explaining justification because we got our basis. We're going to talk about the results. Now, when you think of the results of something, if I do this, something happens. For me, when I was in school, when I took a test, if I got good grades, my mom was happy. My dad was happy. I wasn't under stress. I got A's, I was great. Everything was golden. I could do the things I wanted to do. Now, if I got bad grades, the results of having bad grades, for me, if I got a B, my mom and dad, things got taken away. There was more pressure of, okay, why'd you get a B? Did you study? Did you do this? And there was that pressure of, because something happened, there were results of something that came from that. Um, if we're speaking of Bible quizzing, I was on a team that the kids tried really hard. And because we got first at regionals, we got a medal. A result of getting first at regionals is now I have this champion 2023 first place medal. We also get to put our team name on a big old trophy for Teens for Christ Bible quizzing. Also, the results of it is I have to combat not being prideful in that. <laughs> Jonathan, he, he probably has a bigger job in that than I do. No. <laughs> I can say that because we were co-coaches together. But he also has a sister that was on another team, so you know he's a little competitive and might rub that in her face. Right, Rosa? No. He's perfect, right? But there's results. And in the same way, I want to talk about the results of sin. Because of sin, disobedience, it should probably be the result of disobedience, sin came to the world. The results of sin is that there's consequences, there's toil, there's death, there's imperfect things. And I'm going to read to us Genesis 3, verses 16 to 19, to give us an idea of the results of sin. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. Then the Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor, you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. Yet you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you will turn. Because of sin, the result is we're separated from God because of that sin. We deserve hell. And that's 
the consequences as a result. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.12, therefore just as one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and death spread to all man because all sinned. And then we come back to Romans 3, 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Me reading these verses and coming and talking about these results is again another point. This is God's work, not our work. And this is a challenge that we are going to talk through when we're talking about the results of justification. Because you're sitting here, you're right here in church. And you may say, I follow Christ. I believe in Christ. But do my actions show that it's God's work and not my work? Is my faith based on God's work, not my abilities? God's work. And not that I can justify myself by the things I do. Now, when talking about justification, it's important to know that there is a difference between justification and sanctification. Many times we mix them up and combine them all into one. Now, justification and sanctification go together. You can't take them apart. They're designed to be together. But they are different in this sense. So justification, if we're looking at a definition, is the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. So being justified, I'm declared righteous in the sight of God. Sanctification is the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. It's a process. It's a continually thing. It's a thing that's continually going on, is the way I should say it. And author Kevin DeYoung says this about justification versus sanctification. Sanctification is a gift just as justification is. A double grace or duplex gratisia, as Calvin called it, both are the gift of God, ours by virtue of union with Christ. Both are found in Christ alone. Both are necessary for salvation. Justification being the root and sanctification before the fruit. As it is often said, faith alone justifies. But the faith that justifies is never alone. So we must never separate justification and sanctification the former can't help but produce the latter, and the latter must flow from the former. And yet, we should not be afraid to talk about justification in a different way than we talk about sanctification. One calls us to rest, the other to fight. One reckons us righteous, the other makes us righteous. One allows for no increase or degrees. The other expects progress and growth. 
One is a declaration of God about us. The other a work of God in us. And that's as we come into this idea of justification is the importance of us being declared righteous. So at this time, would you please stand with me and turn to Romans 3. And we are going to read, starting in verse 21 and going to the end of the chapter, because I love context. But we are going to read it so we know where we're going. We're talking about the source of righteousness, this result of justification. Starting in verse 21 of Romans 3. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from works of the law, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Jesus Lord, I just pray that as we have just read your word, that you will pierce our hearts, that it will not be my words, that it would be your word. Lord, I pray for your strength today as we dissect these verses but ultimately lord that we can come with the right heart of looking at the results of justification and see that it's your word and it will propel us to live a life that is glorifying and honoring you in all that we do lord i thank you for this time in your name amen you may have a seat See, this is the interactive service. I could make you stand up. I can make you sit down. But now it's time to dive into God's word. So one of the questions I want to ask us as we just read these verses, and we're going to be focusing on Romans 3, 27 to 31, is what are the results of being justified by faith? And we find our first point in verses 27 and 28. 
where it says, when there is boasting, it is excluded by what kind of law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of law. So that first point is, there is no boasting. We cannot boast in our works. It is God's work. It's by faith that God provides. And that work that we can't boast in is the salvation. His work on the cross, his work in our lives, his work in providing faith, his work in fulfilling all his promises. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31, which Malachi read, and this is our connection, it says, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no human may boast before God. But it's due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We are justified by Christ's work. J.C. Ryle an English evangelist, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> words are hard today. An English bishop in the 1800s said, Tell me not of your justification unless you have also some marks of sanctification. Boast not of Christ's work for you unless you can show us the Spirit work in you, the Spirit's work in you. And it puts into that importance of, if I'm thinking that, and it clearly says in Romans, that there is no boasting. You're like, yeah, I know it's God's work. I know that he sent his son to die on the cross. But how do we boast? How do we take credit of that? And sometimes that boasting is in serving. Oh, yeah. I'm good at the piano. Oh, yeah, I'm good at being up front or being loud. Oh, yeah, I'm good in my abilities of doing this. And that's where we need to have a check of when I'm doing those things, is my mind on the Lord or is it on how I'm doing? Am I bringing praise to myself? Am I boasting in myself or am I boasting in the Lord? and what he's done, and the abilities he gives me. There's a second point that we see in verses 29 to 30. It says, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. And that second point is that there is no distinction. 
We are justified by faith. We are made righteous. There's no distinction. It doesn't matter that you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It is by faith. It is this idea that God is the one that justifies. It is by coming to him. And there's no requirement of what race you are, what gender. It's by coming to him and realizing your sin. In 1 Corinthians 8, 5 through 6, it says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things and we exist for him, and the one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. It's by faith. And it's also important to see that God is one. His word is true and direct. And this idea, if we're talking about there is no distinction, yes, there's a trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but it is one. And because God is one, his word is true. And it's direct and piercing of that, this promise of salvation, this promise of being made right is because of by faith, by faith in him, of what he's doing. And for us, if we think of this point, we got there is no boasting. That's a good challenge, but there is no distinction. And some may be thinking, why is that important? And I will let you know you might not know, but we can judge too quickly sometimes. We can look at someone and say, I don't know if I want to deal with that person. Just by the way they look, or their demeanor, or from what life has thrown at them. But if we look at the scripture, it says there is no distinction. God doesn't have a set of requirements of how you should look or what your life should be like before Christ. He says it's by faith in him and recognizing your sin. And so that calls for us to think of how are we coming to Christ or sharing to others about Christ and this justification. And these are results. Because of Christ's redeeming work that he justified by faith, there's no boasting, there's no distinction. And in verse 31, it says it establishes the law. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. You may hear the word legalistic, and that is the people that focus on the way I do things. This is the way it has to be like this. 
Back then, the law was something that was established, and it was, we have to do these things. Now, the penalty of not following the law was death. Simple. Now, what Paul is trying to say in this letter to the Romans is because of faith, it does not cross out the law. The law is not made null and void because of faith in Christ Jesus, because we are justified by the righteousness of God. And it says it establishes the law. Now, Mike and I, I love Mike Haugen because we can have great discussions in youth group. And we were talking about this word establish. Hi, Mike. Yes, I'm talking about you. And I think it's important to know how the word is defined. Because we have Google, we can search it up and see how a word that we perceive of how it is defined. And establish, when you look on Google, the definition is set up. An organization system or set of rules on a firm or permanent base. And so... When we look at this word establish, I want to change because we're going to take the Greek word. This is the Greek word that as you look in the Bible of how it was translated, this is the definition of what the word establish is. And the Greek word for that word establish is histime, which means to cause or to make stand. So faith doesn't nullify the law, it causes the law to stand. Now, you may be asking how this happens. And also I want to explain with this establishing the law that justification doesn't contradict the law and it's also not against the law, which is another fan word, which is antinomianism, which is being against the law, which many perceive that this justification by faith was, which it's not. And we're going to talk about the hows, how faith establishes the law. One of the ways that it establishes the law is justification by faith provides a payment for the penalty of death which the law requires for failing to keep it. If we think I am made righteous before God, it provides a payment. It says, you are right, you have not failed the law. Justification by faith also serves as a tutor that shows we have an ability, inability to obey God's righteous commands and drives us to Christ. Justification by faith shows you're going to fail. You're a sinner. You can't do this on your own. This is God's work. And the last point is justification by faith also gives us, the believers, the capacity to obey the law. This is an important point. Justification by faith 
also gives us, the believers, the capacity to obey the law. We have the ability to obey the law because we are made righteous before God. And this is where justification and sanctification are together. But separate. Sanctification is that process of being able to obey the law. The process of coming to Christ because of his redeeming work. But it starts with being justified. So we have our three points of the results. R.C. Sproul says this about establishing the law. True faith will inevitably manifest itself in the performance of works of obedience. The performance of works are the result of faith and the fruit of justification. If we are made righteous... It's going to show in our fruits. In Romans 8, verses 3 to 4, it says, For what the law could not do, weak as it is, it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Do you see God's work? It's not my work. It's not the law that justifies me. It's Christ that justifies me. His righteousness. And there are results of being justified by faith. And it teaches us things. We got those three points. There's no boasting. There is no distinction. It establishes the law. And there's things that we need to take away from that. There's implications because of justification by faith. These things happen. But we need to know that it's not my work. It's Christ's redeeming work in me. Christ dying on the cross, that redeeming work is him bringing us to himself through his death through his resurrection. Do I cling to that every day? Do I recognize it's not my work, it's him? Christ's redeeming work knows no boundaries. Christ's redeeming work can take someone that's 55, that's lived in sin, and bring him to himself. It can bring someone who's on their dying bed that never knew about Jesus to him. Christ's redeeming work works in my life when I'm two-faced. I go to church. I can say the right things. I look good just here. Until I actually realize I'm a sinner. I need Christ, and it takes hold of my life. He can redeem me even in that. It knows no boundaries. And it knows no boundaries 
because he also defeated death. When we think on Easter, we praise the Lord because he defeated death. His promise, him coming, him dying on the cross, taking on our sins, rising again on the third day, he defeated death. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and death came to all men because all sin. But Christ defeated that death by dying on the cross. And that's what we believe in. That's what that faith is. That being justified is by faith. And that's why it knows no boundaries. It doesn't know the boundaries of death. Christ's redeeming work is there for anyone who believes by faith. For us, as we have faith in God and what he's done, he redeems us. In this fourth thing that we know is Christ's redeeming work gives me the ability to obey and follow Christ's direction. I'm, obey, I'm able to be obedient. I have the ability to because of Christ's redeeming work. I'm a sinful person. I'm imperfect. But because of his sanctifying work, his redeeming work, his love for me, I'm able to obey and follow Christ's direction. So I have a couple questions for us as we come to the end, as we think of these results of justification. Why is it beneficial for me to know the results of being justified by faith? I know that Christ died on the cross. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need to repent. Why do I need to know that I'm justified by faith? Why is it beneficial for me? And it comes back to the results. I can't boast. There's no distinction. And it establishes the law. It's not my work. I can't take pride in it. I have to give credit to God. He took me. He didn't have a select few. He said, hey, you believe on me. Give me your sins. I will save you. And it establishes the law. I'm able to follow Christ. This justified by faith is I'm actually able to work. I'm not going to be perfect. Molly can tell you I'm not perfect. I have my flaws. Is that the right word to say? Okay. <laughs> that is one of my biggest ones. We got breeze strips, but that doesn't make it perfect. The second question to ask ourselves, are we living by faith in what Christ has done on the cross? If I'm saying that I'm saved, and I'm looking at the results of justification by faith, am I actually living it by faith in what Christ has done? Or am I living by faith what I can do? 
my living by faith in these things sound good and I don't want to go to hell? <laughs> Do I actually know Christ's redeeming work? And the follow-up question is, if not, what am I placing my faith in? And these are questions I want us to ask this week. We just talked about the results of being justified by faith, being made righteous before God. These are things that happen because of that. So why is it beneficial for me? Are we living by faith in what Christ has done? If not, what am I placing my faith in? Now I'm going to end with a quote from Thomas Watson. Not our Thomas Watson, sorry. He does say some very profound things, and I very much appreciate his words and his friendship. But this Thomas Watson is an English Puritan preacher in the 1600s. And he says this quote, God does not justify us because we are worthy. But by justifying us, makes us holy. Or makes us worthy, sorry. God does not justify us because we are worthy. But by justifying us, he makes us worthy. Do you know that truth in your life today? We're not worthy. God makes us worthy by his justifying work. We don't deserve it. Do our actions show that how we live? Do you actually know that in your life? And that is the challenge of we can have faith in so many different things, but if we have not actually put our life in Christ Jesus, then it's null and void. It's an image thing. It's something I do. Do I actually trust Christ in everything? Is he that source of righteousness? So would you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love, that you are a good, gracious Father that would send his Son for us. Lord, we thank you for the implications of what your redeeming work has done in our lives, that it makes us worthy. You make us right. We're not perfect now, Lord. We're sinful. But you are a God that constantly works, comes into our life, Lord. And we need to constantly come to you. Lord, you know our hearts. You know what people are thinking right now. Lord, I pray for the people that are struggling with who you are and giving over every aspect of their life that you speak to them right now, Lord. That you convict them. That you allow them to be bold. Lord, I pray for the people that say, I have Christ in my life. I want to live out. Lord, I pray that you show them things they need to work on. 
that you continue that sanctifying process in our lives. Lord, I pray for the people that don't know who you are right now, Lord. Maybe they haven't put their trust in you. They don't know who you are. They don't know this release that comes from knowing that we are justified by faith, made righteous by your work, by you. I pray right now that they would be bold to talk about it, that they're convicted, and that they would put their faith in you, and that they'd be able to talk about it, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that you give us, for all that you do. May we never take it for granted. In your name, amen.